0: Thank you for this time in your presence. We ask now that your word would come to us with Holy Spirit, clarity, and power that you would shape and mold and conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. We pray that the word may prove to be saving and that it would draw sinners to the Lord Jesus today and that you would build up and strengthen all who call upon his saving name. Teach us now about your working with humans and the redemptive plan down through time and your covenants for we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know what? I want to pray for one more thing. Bow with me one more moment. Thank you. And Father, we commend to you our brother Brian Atwell and ask that you would give our church discernment and unity and oneness of mind. And if it be pleasing to you, would you gift him to us to be an additional pastor over our flock We pray for him and his family that you would strengthen them in every way and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. So here's where this sermon is going. Part of it is intellectual. It's aimed at your understanding and part of it is aimed at your joy. So I want to inform you about some things today and it's kind of intellectual stuff, learning things about the Bible. You're people of the book, right? You want to know about the Bible? You want to know about the Word? We're going to do some learning about and from the Word today. But I I also have the motive of doing the things we're doing in particular, that these may bring you joy. Is it legitimate to have a whole service intended to just bring you joy? Just so at every point you can say, Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's what I want to do in this sermon today. So, here's what we're going to be looking at. I'll put up a slide for this. We're looking at, to put it in the... uh, the technical terms. We're looking at the covenantal structure of redemptive history or the five great covenants in the Bible. Now, some theologians find more than five covenants in the Bible, but I'm sticking to the ones that the Bible actually calls covenants. There are some others, like there's one, some people say there was a covenant with Adam, the Adamic covenant. The Bible nowhere identifies and calls it the Adamic covenant. But some people say, but all the terms of a covenant are there. So even though the word isn't used, we think the thing is there. Well, that may be a right or wrong. We could, we could debate that. But I'm inclined to just stick with today the five that are actually named in the pages of our Bible. And uh, uh, let me tell you first, before we talk about those five, what, what is a covenant? What do we mean by a covenant? Next slide, please. What is a covenant? To give you an easy illustration that you probably all already thought of, just think of a wedding, right? What are they doing at a wedding? What are they doing when they're getting married? They're, they're making a covenant. He is covenanting with her and she with him. And they're making a covenant, a solemn agreement to be husband and wife and to walk together before Jesus Christ. And very often covenants have signs. And the sign of a marriage covenant is usually she gets a ring and he gets a ring and they exchange rings. And then they state the terms of their covenant. There are the vows and the oaths and the I wills and I promise. And you know, so help me God until we die and all that. All of that is making a covenant, a solemn covenant to be husband and wife before God and his people. And that's, just about exactly what a covenant is, in in the Bible. Here's one theologian's formal definition, quote, a covenant is a relationship between two partners who make binding promises to each other and work together to reach a common goal. Further, covenants are often accompanied by oaths, signs, and ceremonies. So we're looking at five of those today between God and various groupings of people, between God and people, and even animals on the planet. So the five covenants, covenants that are actually named in the Bible are, who can tell us what the first one would be? Pardon me? Man, when you all talk at once, I'm lost. So I'm just going to say, no, the first one is actually the Noahic covenant. It's the covenant God made with Noah and with all flesh. Let me just show you what all five of them are. Next slide. The five covenants that are named in scripture are Noahic, Abrahamic, Mosaic, Davidic, and New, New Covenant. So we're looking at those today for your understanding, and I hope for your joy. Let's start with the Noahic Covenant. This one is cool. They're all cool. And I don't know if you realize this, but You are living downstream, ha ha ha, pun intended. You are living downstream of the Noahic Covenant. You are a beneficiary. You are blessed every single day of your life by the Noahic Covenant. When we're done looking at this briefly, you should be saying, Bless you, Lord. Thank you, O God, for the Noahic Covenant. It's why you're here. It's why you're alive. So where do we find it? In which book of the Bible are we? Genesis. Which chapter? Oh, that was weak, Cornerstone Church. All right, it's in chapter 8, but we're going to go to chapter 9, and let's start our reading. Genesis 9, verse 8. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, Debbie and I like that, we have two parakeets. Our parakeets are in covenant with God. We just want you to know that. No pagan parakeets in our house. They're with God, all right. The livestock and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. You got a cat, it's for even cats. You got a dog, it's for your dog, all right. It's for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, here it is, here are the terms, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. So there's a good reading about the, the Noahic covenant. We learned a little bit there. I'm going to summarize it in a moment. We learned a little bit of who's involved and what some of the terms are and what it's all about. Let's read a little bit more, though. There's more here in Genesis 9, verses 12 to 17. Here we go. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. So we're going to learn here, in addition to what we saw, there's a sign, and we learn the duration of this covenant. It's for all future generations. So it's it's until it goes from the flood to the fire. Right? We live in that time period between the flood and the fire, the great conflagration of the last day when the heavens burn and everything melts with a fervid heat. We live between the flood and the fire. So this covenant is for all future generations and what is the sign of it? Verse 13, I have set my bow in the cloud. Amen? Amen. Just wanna pause here and say, the rainbow is ours. That's for our team, all right? It's the Lord's rainbow. It's a sign of peace between God and man. I've set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant. That is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So, man, these are the terms of the Noahic covenant. You're downstream. You're a beneficiary. You're receiving the blessings and the benefits of this covenant that God made with men. Just thinking of the sign for a moment, by the way, a couple weeks ago, it was Sunday morning, it rained during church, and then it quit, and we're leaving church, and one of you turned and looked at the church building, and there was actually a rainbow just about over the building, and you took a picture and you sent it to me. There it is. Can you see the rainbow in that picture? All right. So one of you sent that in just a couple weeks ago. I just like that. I just thought that was wonderful, like the Lord is telling Cornerstone Church, I'm not going to flood you all, <laughs> all right? You're going to be okay. So, so that's the Noahic Covenant. There's more, but you get the idea. Now, let me break it down to you. Here's what's going on in the Noahic Covenant. First, there are terms. What are the terms? I will never again destroy the earth with a flood. Local floods, there might be, have been, will be, but I'll never destroy the earth with a flood. So you have that count on God is faithful to his word and this might seem like a little thing to you but think about a flood washing you and all your kin away you have that to be thankful for like what if you did what if God had not given us the Noahic covenant and it started to rain and you read about the flood you're like "Uh uh-oh anytime it rains this could be the next one of those you get up one morning and you look at your weather app, what's coming today, and you look and it's rain, and then you notice the next day's rain, and in three weeks it's rain, rain, and you're going like, uh-oh, it's one of those. Could be a good excuse to buy a big boat. <laughs> Honey, I really need to buy a boat, because there might be another flood coming our way. No, you can't use that excuse, because God told Noah about a covenant, and he made it with all the earth, and never again is God going to do that. So you don't ever have to worry, uh-oh, it's raining, what's going to happen now? No, no, the the terms of the covenant is God will never again destroy the earth with a flood. Who are the participants? God and all flesh, right down to the birdies in our birdcage. What are the conditions? None. God doesn't say, Noah, here's my covenant with you and all flesh, if you all do ABC. No, it's unilateral. God and his sovereignty unilaterally declares, I will never do that again. I covenant with you and everybody. That'll never happen again. It's God. Who said that? What is the sign? Again, it is the rainbow. It's like the wedding ring of the Noahic covenant. And what is the duration? Well, we saw it's, it's an everlasting one. It goes down to the last day, it goes down to the fire. And one more thing that I don't have a slide for, but y'all just listen. What does what's this have to do with redemptive history? Why is this a covenant? Why do you make this a big thing? Because nothing else in redemptive history would happen if there wasn't a covenant for no more floods. If there's going to be another flood, there's never going to be an Abraham. There's never going to be an Israel. There's never going to be a Jesus Christ God in the flesh. There's never going to be redemption. There's never going to be redeemed. They'll all be dead. So this is setting the stage for, this is making the earth, if you will, a safe place to be where redemption can happen, where the people of God can preach the word and sinners can be saved. All of that is rooted in, all that is benefiting from the Noahic, Covenant. So bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this gracious covenant. Thank you for your mercy. You know, it is a gracious covenant. Why did God send the first flood, Genesis chapter 6? Because he looked at humanity and all the thoughts and intents of their hearts were only evil continually. And God said, I'm done with this wicked generation, and whoosh, there came the flood. Are we any better today? No, we deserve the same thing. Why is God not washing us off the planet? Because in his sovereign will and in his mercy, he said, I won't do that to you all again. Thank you, Lord. We deserve to be washed away too. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, O God, for your mercy. So that's the Noahic covenant. What's the next covenant? The Abrahamic. It's the Abrahamic. What book of the Bible are we in? Genesis. What chapter? Twelve. You were going to say that, weren't you? All right, let's go to Genesis 12, and I'll read a little bit of the Abrahamic covenant. Genesis 12, 2 and 3. Now, you imagine you're Abraham, and God in his sovereignty just chose you, not because you're anybody special, he just chose you. He's the potter, you're the clay, he can choose whom he will, he can overpass whom he will. And he went to Abraham and spoke to him. Imagine God speaking to you. And here are the words that God utters to you. I will make of you a great nation. Wow. And I will bless you and make your name great. Like people ever since Abraham have heard of Abraham everywhere. And so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And what do we know about that promise, brothers and sisters? Ultimately, that's through Christ, right? That's through Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of God's elect. So what are the terms so far? I'm going to give you a great name. I'm going to be a blessing. You're going to be a blessing. All families of the earth will be blessed in you. Abraham must be like, what? What is going, you sure you got the right guy, Lord? Me? What are you talking about? There's more. Genesis 13, starting at verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. Imagine that. I've told you before, we live in a garage townhome, and you could literally cut the front yard with scissors. That's how big it isn't. And the same with the backyard. I think the backyard's just as small. You could just about trim it with with scissors. And God says to Abraham, look as far as you can see in every direction, and I'm going to give it all to you. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth staggering God is saying this to a man like the du- how much dust is there on the earth there's a lot of dust on the earth somehow it keeps getting in our house and we have to dust it's everywhere i'm going to make your offspring like that so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you." Wow! God says, I'm gonna give you a name. I'm gonna bless you and you're gonna be a blessing. I'm gonna give you this gigantic chunk of land. Your offspring is gonna be innumerable. The elsewhere he says, like the stars in the sky. This is amazing. God is saying this in his sovereignty to Abraham. Let's go to Genesis seventeen six. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. Man, imagine if the Lord spoke to me and said, Steve, I'm going to make nations out of you, son, and kings they are going to be kings on the earth who are your, your offspring. Imagine that. Name, blessing, land, offspring, nations, kings. So those are the terms. Put them up. That's the next slide. Those are the things. That's the Abrahamic covenant. Let's break it down. So who are their participants? They are God, Abraham, and his offspring, which is ultimately, Galatians 3, Jesus Christ. And so all who are in Jesus Christ, again, you are directly, if you're in Jesus Christ, if you've called upon the name of the Lord, if you have been washed by the blood of the Savior, if he is your God and your Lord and you follow him and you love him with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength and he's given you a new heart and you're regenerated by the Spirit of God. Did I describe that in enough ways? You get it. If you're one of those then you are this offspring in Christ. You're a direct beneficiary of, you are directly downstream of the Abrahamic covenant. Thank God of all the people on the planet. And even if you're a Gentile, what am I doing in the Abrahamic covenant? Wasn't that with Jews? Yeah, but you're grafted in. When you believed on the Lord Jesus, you got grafted into the root, and that's Abraham, and that's the Abrahamic covenant, and you participate in the blessings and the benefits. Those are the participants. What are the conditions? None. There are no ifs. God didn't say, Abraham, if you, A, B, C, X, Y, Z, then I will bless you and make your great name. No, God just sovereignly declared, Abraham, I am doing this, and I'm doing it for you. There are no conditions in the Abrahamic covenant What is the sign of the Abrahamic covenant? Does it have a sign? Yes, the sign is circumcision. I know that circumcision continues on through the Mosaic covenant, but it came from the Abrahamic. It's to Abraham first that God said, here's the sign of the covenant on the eighth day, circumcise all your males, and that is to indicate they are participating in the Abrahamic covenant by the way what about us we're downstream from the covenant we're grafted in what's the sign read your new testament and it is the circumcision made without hands the putting off of the body of flesh the circumcision of christ giving you a new heart that loves him and follows him and so we have the real sign they had the proto sign what's the duration of the abrahamic covenant it is everlasting the land, the earth, the blessing, the name, it's everlasting. and eternity future, you'll bump into Abraham some days. Hey, remember that covenant? Yeah, was not that great? Glory in it a little bit. So that's the Abrahamic covenant. Bless God for the Abrahamic covenant. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for calling that man and through him sending Christ and through Christ blessing all of the seed. And by grace, I get to be one of those people. So this is, this is about you. You're alive because of the Noahic covenant. Wasn't another flood. And you're blessed because of the Abrahamic covenant. Through him came Christ, who is now your redeemer now we come next to the Mosaic Covenant. Now you're wondering, like, aren't we in a series in Deuteronomy? We haven't been in Deuteronomy since the opening reading. What about Deuteronomy? Well, Deuteronomy is about the Mosaic Covenant. And the word covenant, 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 covenant comes up again and again and again. Chapter 9 is the granddaddy of them all. Let me just read for you from chapter 29 and verse 1. These are the words of the covenant that the Lord commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel and the land of Moab besides the covenant he had made with them at Horeb. So Horeb, that's the first generation came out of Egypt. God made this covenant with them. They broke it. They stumbled around in the wilderness till their dead bodies died. Now it's second generation, and Moses is reiterating the same covenant with them. The Mosaic covenant stated again. And in Deuteronomy 29, I've underlined it. It's covenant verse one. Covenant again verse one. It's covenant verse nine. It's covenant verse twelve. It's covenant verse fourteen. It's covenant verse 19. It's covenant verse 25. It's the covenant chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy is stating the terms of the Mosaic covenant. So does Exodus, so does Leviticus, and the rest of the Old Testament is taking place under the reign of, during the time of, the Old Covenant or the Mosaic covenant. Now, I don't want to belabor this covenant, so let me just put up the terms and so on. The terms of the Mosaic covenant are these. If you obey me, I'll bless you. And if you don't obey me, I'll curse you. Remember the two mountains, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, and they pronounce, pronounce all the blessings for obedience, pronounce all the curses for disobedience. That's the ter- those are the terms of the Mosaic Covenant. Would you like to be under that covenant? Does anybody like wishing, oh, please, can we be under the Mosaic Covenant? I don't think so. It's about blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. Who are their participants? God and Israel. God made this covenant with Israel. Well, I'm a Gentile. What would it have to do with me? Well, actually, in our our day, it would have nothing to do with you because it ended at Christ. But again, as a Gentile, you could become a proselyte. You could have been grafted in. You could have been considered one of them. You could have participated in the Mosaic covenant. What are the conditions of the covenant? Obedience. Obey me and I will bless you. What's the sign of the covenant? Ah, it's the Sabbath. Look at Exodus 31, the verses that I've given you there. And what's the duration of the covenant? Now, here's the point I want to make. Until the first advent. Until Christ came. It was intended from its inception to be of limited duration. This is until Christ came. You read that in Galatians 3, right around verse 19. You read it in Romans, various chapters. But I'm going to take you to Hebrews and show you that the duration of the Mosaic Covenant was till the first coming, till Christ's cross work in particular. Hebrews 8, verse 13. And speaking of a new covenant, what's he referring to? Jeremiah 31 in the Old Testament. Jeremiah said, we're going to look at it in a minute. Behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. He's referring to that. And speaking of a new covenant, he, God, Jeremiah, makes the first one, Moses, obsolete. While the ink was still wet on the page, new covenant, uh-oh, you know what that means? That means this one's old and going away. It was intended to be temporary until Christ. He goes on in Hebrews eight thirteen. and what is becoming obsolete, back in Jeremiah's time, as soon as he said new covenant, the old one's becoming obsolete, and growing old is ready in the Hebrews day to vanish. What happened to the Mosaic covenant? It's obsolete. It grew old and it has vanished well i mean you can still read it and all but it's no longer installed it's no longer in effect it was only intended until christ again read galatians i should have put that verse in right here It would be good the law was a tutor until christ came to bring us to christ until christ came so in our day the Noahic covenant stands thank god for it and the abrahamic covenant stands thank god for it And some of the other covenants stand, thank God. But 2,000 years ago, when our Lord Jesus, as the Lamb of God, shed his blood, it was the blood of the what? Of the new covenant. And when he ratified the new covenant, the Mosaic covenant became what? Obsolete, fulfilled. Christ fulfilled the law for us. And thank God, because you read through Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you read all those laws, and no surprise that at the Jerusalem conference, Acts chapter 15, Peter, Peter said, why would we want to put Gentiles under the law? It was a burden that neither we nor our fathers could bear. You don't want to be under the Mosaic law. It was a burden, Peter says, and he was right. So that's the, that's the uh, Mosaic covenant. What's the next one, the Davidic covenant? Where do you find that? Well, very good, 2 Samuel 7. Let me give you some backstory. One day David is feeling pretty happy, pretty magnanimous. Everything's going really well, and he calls for the prophet Nathan. Nathan, come over here, man. Nathan comes over. He says, Nathan, I got this idea in my head, man. got this thing in my heart. I want to build a house for the Lord. The Lord's been in a temple ever since they—I mean—in a tent ever since they came out of Egypt. He's never asked to be put in a house. But David's got this grandiose idea. I tells tells Nathan, "I want to build a, t- a house for the Lord." And Nathan isn't paying attention to the Lord. And Nathan the prophet says, "Great idea. Go and do what's in your heart." And then God steps in and says, "Oh, wait a minute, guys. Uh, did I ever ask for a temple? Did I ever ask for a house? I'm not asking for one now." And then He says, "Let me actually tell you what's going to happen, David. I am going to build you." A house. And that is the Davidic covenant. Let's look at it. We are in 2 Samuel 7, starting in verse 11. Moreover, the Lord declares to you, David, that the Lord will make you a house. Hmm. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. This is not a trick question. There's a near offspring and a far. Who's the near? Solomon. Who's the far? Christ. Yes. So we're talking about Solomon, but more importantly, we're looking past him to Jesus Christ. I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. Solomon, yes. Christ, yes. And notice verse 13. He shall build a house. For my name. Did Solomon do that? Yes, he did. Is Jesus Christ doing that? Yes, he is. What did Jesus Christ say? I will build my church made with living stones, says Peter. So you're, you're Abraham's dust, you're Abraham's stars, and you're Peter's building blocks. You're the house the Lord Jesus is building with living stones. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he will be to me a son. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Amen. That's our savior. Jesus Christ, David's greater son. And we get to be in that kingdom, and he is our king. We have bowed the knee and confessed he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we get to be part of this church he is building, the new covenant house of God you're in Christ, you are the house and you are in the house and this is the house and every faithful church on earth is the house and all the people of God in heaven and on earth are the house and Jesus Christ is building that great house. So let's note the terms, let me break it down the terms are to David, David kings are going to come from you, ultimately the king and a kingdom's going to come from you, ultimately the kingdom, and a house is going to come from you, and that's going to be the house. That's what God promised David. Who are the participants in the covenant? God, David and David's royal offspring, ultimately, Jesus Christ. What are the conditions? None. It's a unilateral covenant. God just says, David, here's what I am doing for you. What's the sign of the covenant? Well, there isn't one. What's the duration of the covenant? It's everlasting. We'll be the temple of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Go read the latter part of the book of Revelation. So that's the Davidic covenant. And now there's one more, and it's called, what's it called? The New. Bless God for the New. We're in the new covenant. We're not in the old covenant. Thank you, Lord. Where do we first, this is almost a trick question. So you know that New Testament is just another word for new covenant. Testament and covenant, same word in the Greek, diatheke. So there's the New Testament covenant. There's the Old Testament covenant. That's the Mosaic and that's the new. Where do we first bump into the new? It's not Matthew 1, 1, by the way. Where do we first bump into the new covenant in God's word? Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31. Let's go there. Here it is. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. In Hebrew, the word new means new. I want to emphasize that because a lot of people try to flatten the covenants, making them various manifestations of one big overarching covenant for various reasons. They want to do that. But all the Bible really says is there's an old covenant and I'm making a new one. It's new. It's not a reiteration of the old. It's not a continuation of the old. It's new. There's discontinuity right there between those two covenants. This is what the author of Hebrews was referring to when said, as soon as Jeremiah wrote New Covenant, uh-oh for Moses. That covenant was on its way out, and now it is obsolete because Christ fulfilled it. It's no longer in effect. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Then what are we Gentiles doing in the New Covenant? We're grafted in by the grace of God in the name of Christ. Now, notice how he describes, how's this new covenant going to differ from the old covenant? Please note this. Here's how it's not like the old covenant. Verse 32, not like. Some theologians in our day say they're the same covenant, just a little different terms. They flatten it. But not Jeremiah. Jeremiah says there's a new one. It's new. That one's obsolete. And this one's not like that one. How is it not like that one? Notice the terms. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. All right, what covenant is that? Moses, Mosaic. Not like that covenant. Everybody got that in your head? The new covenant is not like the old. It's not like the Mosaic. How is it different? Here's how. For this Is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now let me just pause and explain what's going on. The old covenant, the Mosaic covenant was a mixed bag. You had believers and non-believers and they were all in the covenant. They were members of the covenant community. You didn't have to be saved to be in that covenant community. You just had to be an Israelite and circumcised. So the old covenant was a mixed bag. In fact, it seems that most of them did not have hearts for the Lord. With most of them, God was not pleased. He had a remnant that he always kept for himself who did not bow the knee to Baals, but they were just the remnant. So it was a very mixed bag, and a lot of them were frankly quite disappointing because they were ginormously blessed with revelation and truth and love of God, but they never had hearts that hungered and thirsted for the living God. God is saying the new covenant is going to be unlike that. The new covenant will not be a mixed bag, no. Everyone who is actually in the new covenant is saved. Everyone who is actually in the new covenant has a new heart, is regenerated by the Spirit of God, has heard the gospel and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how he describes that salvation. Again, verse 33, this is the covenant I will make. I will put my law within them. If you're saved, that's you. And I will write it on their hearts. Where was the old covenant written? Tablets of stone. Where did they store them? Inside the Ark of the Covenant. Done with that. Now I'm going to write my law right on human hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Everybody in the covenant is a redeemed, blood-bought people of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody. All of them. And notice, notice furthermore, verse 34. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, know the Lord. That's what they had to do in the old covenant. If you were one of the remnant, if you were one of the redeemed, if you were one with a heart for the living God, you were saying to the other dead, dull, stubborn, complaining Israelites, come on, man, know God, know the Lord. In that covenant, you had to evangelize other covenant members who were lost, not in the new covenant. Everyone who is actually in the new covenant is saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And you don't have to evangelize them. You don't have to say, no, the Lord, they will all know me in that covenant. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Here's another thing that's characteristic of everyone who's actually in the new covenant. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. Bless the Lord. Thank you, God that's better than no more flood (laughs) amen Amen. thank you lord this is why by the way we only baptize believers who give a credible profession of faith this is also part of why we i'm not grouchy about this i got friends who do this but this is why we don't baptize infants because we don't think infants qualify yet by these terms. Can, that, can we say of that infant, oh, he knows the Lord. You don't need to evangelize him. God's law is written in his heart. He's their God. They're his people. Their sins are forgiven. Their iniquities are remembered no more. Can I say that about that infant? No. So this is one of the reasons why we're Baptistic. Are you Baptistic? Did you know we have a big pool right there? We're, I wish we had people in it every week, huh? We're We're Baptistic. And so this is a very important passage for why we are that. But what I'm trying to establish is these are the terms of the new covenant. Let me show you. Let me lay it out for you. The terms, there will be a covenant community in which all are saved. Their participants, God, and all who are in Christ. The conditions, it's unconditional. Actually, you might say it's conditioned upon faith, which he gives you. Um, the, the signs of the new covenant that signify union with Christ are baptism and communion. We're going to take communion in just a few minutes. And when you do, you should be thinking, bless you, Lord, I'm in the new covenant. <laughs> I get to be born in the days when Christ is preached and I've heard and believed and, and this blood, this cup that signifies the blood of Christ was shed from my sins, this body was broken for my forgiveness. The ordinances remind you of that and minister grace to you in that. And the duration of that covenant is, it is everlasting. It was ratified by Christ at the last supper and on the cross. And Hebrews says, let's show it, Hebrews seven twenty-two. this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better a better covenant. You can look at Moses and say, we have one that's better. <laughs> it's a better covenant. And if you're in Christ, the book of Hebrews makes quite a point of this. You are not in the Mosaic, but you are in the new, bless God. Look at Hebrews twelve eighteen 18 and following with me. He says, for you, the believers among them, for you who have come to Christ, you have not come to what may be touched. What's he referring to? Mount Sinai a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain that shall be stoned. Indeed so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. You have not come to that mountain. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't take you straight to Sinai and it's all smoky and it's all trembling and there's a scary trumpet and a big booming voice and it terrifies you. You haven't come to that. Thank God. Well, what have I come to? Verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion. What is Zion? Zion is Jerusalem. How have I come to Jerusalem? It's the new Jerusalem the heavenly one. And you have come to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. You've come to that, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Thank God for the New Covenant. So, let's review them. i got to bring this to a close. Here's, here's a slide. There they are. We had the Noahic Covenant, the Abrahamic, the Mosaic, the Davidic, and the New. Three things in closing. Why do we do this sermon? Here's thing number one. I want you to understand the skeletal framework for the Bible and redemptive history in terms of these redemptive covenants. Just, maybe you didn't know about this. I want you to know about this so that you can say, thank you, Lord. So you can rejoice in where you fit into these things. That's number two. Understand then where you are and where you are not. By the grace of God, I am not under the old covenant. I'm not under the Mosaic covenant. Does that have any real ramifications? Well, yeah. It means if you invite me over for crabs, I can go. and a whole lot of other things like that. It means I'm no longer under the dietary regulation. It means I don't have to offer a pigeon when I break one of God's laws. It, just, it means a whole lot of things. That burden that neither we nor our fathers could bear, says Peter, I'm not under that burden. Christ says my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, I like his yoke. I like his burden. Understand where you are and where you're not. Third point in closing, understand those marvelous words that we read during our weekly communion, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And it's like we're renewing that covenant every week. We're renewing covenant with God. Lord, I'm still in covenant with you. I'm still a believer. Here I am, Lord, still following Christ, still calling upon his saving name, persevering. It's the perseverance of the saints right here. This saint's continuing and you eat the bread that reminds you of his body and you drink the cup remind you of his shed blood, and that is the cup of the new covenant, which we're about to take. Stay tuned. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for this time in your holy word, and we ask that the word may prove powerful to draw men and women and boys and girls to the Lord Jesus, where they may find grace and mercy. And Father, we pray that you would encourage believers, that you would Give us greater joy in understanding this bit about redemptive history and what you've done and what provisions have been made. And thank you, O Lord, that we are blessed to be here as members of the new covenant. Have our hearts. Have our souls. Make us a people for your possession. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you would like to talk to a cornerstone pastor here's an easy way to make that happen just text the word pastor to the number on the screen one of our pastors will be reaching out to you shortly stan thanks steve again great lead-in for communion today the lord's supper steve and i didn't coordinate i didn't know he's going to be preaching on the covenants so what i'm about to share lines up just going to confirm what he says, it's going to add to it we're going to be reading from the shorter catechism about the Lord's Supper some of you may be here wondering what it's all about well listen as I read the Lord's Supper is a sacrament of the new covenant wherein by giving